Will you put your hands together for five years? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, whether you're watching live right now during service, second service, maybe catching the VOD on YouTube or even listening via podcast, we want to say welcome. Thank you so much for being a part of our church. Thank you to y'all that are here in person in a Midlothian location. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, as you just saw, is a big deal. Celebrating five years of God's faithfulness reaching people on the internet, on Twitch, and impacting gamers' lives around the world. And I'll tell you, the best is yet to come. I really believe that. I really believe, like I said in my prayer, we haven't even scratched the surface. I mean, it's crazy to think the potential that, like, we can do through our church. Like, we can literally reach millions and millions of people. Like, maybe some of you are, are brand new to church. Maybe you didn't grow up in a faith background, but I did, and I've been around church for a long time. And my wife and I and the Higgins family, before the, the God Squad Church ever existed, before I ever started streaming, we all lived up in Connecticut. And we went to a church in a small time, small town, Oxford, Connecticut. It's a population of about 12,000 people. And really the mission of a church in a town is they want to reach the people in that town. But the reality is it doesn't make us better or worse than other churches. But really a lot of churches, like if you're in a town of 12,000 people, like that's your, that's your target. Like, if we get 100% of the people, we'd have 12,000. Now, that's a big church, and that's amazing. But, like, our church is in the town of the Internet, in the town of Twitch, where there's literally potential for millions and millions of people to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, like, we haven't even scratched the surface of what God is going to do. And we've got big, big vision. And every year, what I love to do on our anniversary is I love to come before all of you. And, and I've been praying and asking God, God, where's the vision of where you're taking us into the future? What's the next step? God, what are you doing next? And years prior, you've heard vision about getting a physical location, which now we're in. Can we give God some praise that God is answering prayers? Absolutely incredible. You've heard vision about us getting our PCs and opening up our land center. And of course, we had all that ready to rock and roll last year, but then COVID hit. And I think everyone admits changed everybody's plans. The world is very, very different. That stuff's, that stuff's still going to happen, but we're just waiting a little bit longer because COVID kind of, you know, kind of messed everything up. But God is still going to have his way. And I know that many of you right now, you're listening, and even I was praying, God, God, where are we going next? God, what's the vision? What are we doing in the future? And I know that everyone's kind of wondering the question, where are we going? But as I was praying and really preparing for today and asking that question to God, God, where are we going? I, I believe that God was speaking in my heart. I'm less concerned with where you're going and more concerned with who you're becoming. I'm less concerned with where you're going. We could be casting vision, final destinations, all this cool stuff all day long, but what God really wants to do more than just tell us where we're going, he wants to be shaping who we're becoming. And so today I want to bring a message to you that I've entitled, Built Different, Getting Ready for Revival. Now some of you might not understand the terminology, built different, but it's a popular trendy phrase that's going around right now. And really it's used, about, used for people that are just, they're just different. Like to give you some examples, like there are a lot of people that play Valorant. I've been loving Valorant as of recently. There's a lot of people that play Valorant, even like pro gamers. And they're, they're normally like in a similar range of skill. Like once you get to that pro level, most people are like relatively just as good as each other. Like most people aren't just like destroying everyone else. They're just like, you might win a game, lose a game, but they're pretty equal. But then there's people like tens, 
who are just built different, okay? The dude's reaction time is on another level. Like, I'm pretty sure he can literally see the future and is preparing for where you're going to peak. And even the pros are like, yeah, we, we can't keep up with tens. He's built different. Even Shroud himself, one of the game, well, first of all, Shroud is built different. Shroud, one of the best gamers on the planet, says about tens that if he keeps playing at this level, no gaming organization will be able to afford him. Like, the dude's built different. Like, there's pros, and then there's tens. He's built different. Everyone has different gifts and characteristics, whatever they might have, but then there's people who are built different, right? You might have people like Mama Hicks. There's patient people in the world, and then there's Mama Hicks, Okay. She's just built different. She's got six kids, lots of practice. Like some people have two kids, she's got six. She's built different, okay? I can barely handle my dog, right? Like some people are just built different. Some people just have something about them. They're like, man, there's just something different about this person. And I believe as followers of Jesus, one of the best things that we can do to represent our faith is for us to be different. For us to be built different. The reality is what reaches people is not when we're a church that is just like what other people think Christians are like. When it's full of judgmental people, arrogant people. People that are impacted by churches are because those churches are built different. They're not like everybody else. They're not like all the people that you might think have these negative characteristics about Christianity. And the reality is, I believe if we're going to impact the world, we're going to be built different. If we're going to really, really ask God to bring a spiritual revival, we're going to have to be built different. Revival is something that many, many, many Christians talk about and pray for. If you're not familiar with that terminology, revival really means to revive something. And in our culture of the gaming world, how many of y'all know that the internet is not really a big fan of God? Not a big fan of God. Facts. I like you, my man. Big, big deal. As a church that's trying to reach people and want them to love Jesus, it's kind of hard when you're in a community that doesn't love Jesus. You start scrolling through Twitch. Two of the most common rules you see in streams, put it in the chat if you know it ahead of time. Maybe you're tens you could see from the future. No politics, no religion. Don't talk about those things in my stream. And we've got an uphill battle to climb. And we got to revive in people's hearts a desire for God. Revival means to rejuvenate, to renew, and even to restore an interest in spiritual things. And my prayer in Jesus' name is that God will bring a virtual revival, awaken hearts that literally, not thousands, millions of people will open up their hearts and eyes to see Jesus for all that he is. And many of us, we start talking about, we want revival. People would say in the chat, yes, God, bring us revival. But the thing is, I, I think many people like the idea of revival, but they're not ready for the reality of revival. Because oftentimes we start talking about revival and spiritual awakenings. We just think about thousands of people all of a sudden deciding that they want to love Jesus turned from their life of sin, and now we're all on Team Jesus, and we're going. And that does happen. But you know what the reality revival also looks like? It means that that guy that used to smoke marijuana every day, that means that while he's sitting at home reading his Bible for the first time because God has awoken his heart, he's reading the Bible while smoking a blunt. 
because he doesn't know yet that he shouldn't be doing that. That's revival. Oh, my heart's been awakened. I love Jesus, but I just haven't learned enough to stop some of my habits yet. Like spiritual revival means like when I'm saying something powerful in the chat and Christians would say amen, when revival hits and someone just turns their life to follow Jesus, they might say something like, wow, that's effing powerful. That's revival. When you're like, whoa, we don't, we don't talk like that around here. That's real revival. People's lives are being changed and their hearts are being opened to the presence of God, but they just haven't learned everything yet. They're just still in a process. They're still growing and they might talk different. They might act different. And the reality is that when we start having these conversations in church, most of us, we're not ready for that revival. Well, why can't we just keep things simple and keep things easy? Let's just keep the, let's just keep the community super like, you know, clean. Like, we don't want trolls. Like, we don't want, we don't want toxic people. We don't want any of those people. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we should just allow toxic people to run rampant and destroy the community. But I'm saying that we should love people the way that they are, but love them too much to let them stay the same. But a lot of times when revival starts hitting and we start getting around some messy people, I mean, we're ready with the Purell. Like, we got people, like, putting words in the chat. Yo, you just said the F-bomb? Boop! Like, you're just like, what did you, what'd you just say? Like, you just purell people left and right? Like, bro, you got clean your mouth, brother. Like, what? You just, you just left and right. You ready to purell some people. You ready to get rid of the people that Jesus wants to bring in. And when real revival starts hitting, we can't behave in a way that is making it harder for people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. If real virtual revival is going to come, we got to be ready for it, which means we got to be built different. And I really believe that God wants to bring thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people our way. But the question I've come to ask you for it, are you ready for real revival? Because I promise you, revival is messy. There's going to be some people they are not going to talk like you. They're going to smoke marijuana while reading the Bible for the first time. And we can't get so hung up on the fact that they haven't stopped smoking pot yet. we got to get excited about the fact that, wow, he's reading the Bible for the first time ever. The book that he said was basically a unicorn last week, now we can't put it down. That's revival. Let's deal with the heart first. We'll, we'll deal with the behavior. I'm not saying we're not going to deal with the behavior. But if you start dealing with people's behavior first, they'll never let you into their heart. But if you focus on their heart first, then they'll let you talk about their behavior. And if we're going to be a church that's ready for revival, we're going to have to be built different. And I want to have a conversation today about what is it going to look like for us to really be ready for revival. And what I want to do is I want to read a passage from the Old Testament, from the book of Exodus, chapter 13. And I want to give a little context about the story we're about to read. It has to do with the Israelites escaping slavery from the Egyptians. If you've never read the Old Testament, I want to encourage you to go back and read it. I think it's fantastic. Especially this story is really covered in the book of Exodus and Numbers, the second and third books of the entire Bible. But essentially, there is the Israelite people. And Moses is trying to get them 
to be free from the Egyptian slavery. Like, they are held captive under Pharaoh, and they're just slaves. Slaves, slaves, slaves to these people. And Moses is trying to get Pharaoh to let them go. You've probably heard the quote, maybe watched the movie as a kid, let my people go, right? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he's trying to get them out of slavery, and Pharaoh won't let them. He won't let the people go. And then finally, Pharaoh agrees with Moses after God, you know, kind of pulled his tail a little bit by giving him 10 plagues. I mean, kind of a big deal. But he finally agrees, I will let the people go. And finally, Moses takes Israelites. They get away from the Egyptians. But while they're running away, Pharaoh changes his mind. And he begins to go after the Israelites again. And you may have seen the story that they get to the Red Sea God does a miracle and splits, literally, yes, these stories are true. God splits the Red Sea in half, and they walk through to the other side and escape from the Egyptians. But before they get through the Red Sea, before they even get to the Red Sea, a very, very, very important scripture happens that most people skip over, and that's what I want to read today. Exodus 13, 17 to 18, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not let them on the road through the Philistine country. Check this part out. Though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around, meaning the long way, the desert road toward the Red Sea. We have these Israelites are trying to escape Pharaoh, trying to escape being slaves, and their biggest concern is where are we going? How are we going to get out of here? What's the fastest route that I can take to get out of Dodge, to get away from the Egyptian people? But in that verse 17, I want to read it again. They were concerned with where they're going, but God was concerned with who they were becoming. It says, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that would have been the shorter route. Now, this is hundreds of years before the time of David. If you might have heard the Philistines before, David and Goliath, if you didn't know, Goliath was one of the leaders of the Philistine people, right? So the the tension between them and the Philistines hadn't developed as bad as it was during the time of David, but it still wasn't pretty during this time. So if they had gone the shorter route they might have run into some tension with the Philistines. And you might think, well, oh, well, God was, God was protecting them. That's why God didn't send them the shorter route. No, 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 no. Because God would have helped them to overcome the battle just like he did with David if they had gone that route. But God knew if I send you the short way near the Philistines and you experience discomfort, you will probably change your minds and want to go back to the way that it was. If you run into a messy situation, you probably would rather just go back to the way things were. You'd probably say, this is a little bit too difficult. This is too complicated. Instead of finding a different, longer route, I would actually just go, I'd rather just go back to Egypt. Not even like, oh, I don't like plan A. Let's come up with a plan B. Like, it's, I don't like plan A. Let's go back to being slaves. Let's just quit and give up, too much effort, this is too difficult, might as well go back to the way that it was. But no, instead of God taking them that way, 
God takes them through the Red Sea, and if you know the story, they end up in the wilderness for 40 years. God wanted to bring them out of slavery and into the promised land. And what, if, what could, could have taken weeks if they had gone the shorter way, took them 40 years in the long way. But the reason that God didn't take them the short way is because they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for it. If God had taken them the short way, they would have changed their minds. It doesn't say that they would have gone to war and lost. No, it says they would have changed their minds. Been like, uh, too complicated, too messy. Let's just, let's just go back to Egypt. Not even like, can we try? Maybe the Red Sea option is good. No, let's just go back to the way things were. And through this journey, God did that for them because he was less concerned with where they're going and more concerned with who they were becoming. And sure, that 40 years, that was a long time, but God did some things in their hearts. I mean, he got to show them that he's able to open up the Red Sea. He got to provide manna from heaven. He got to do all kinds of stuff, all while they kept screwing it up over and over and over and over again. I mean, they started worshiping false idols. I mean, Moses be coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and they're like, oh, let's make a cow. What? Clearly, y'all people ain't ready for revival. So I'm going to take you the long way. I'm going to take you the long way. And if I'll be honest, after streaming for six and a half years, in five years of our church existing, I've been asking God, God, why aren't we reaching hundreds of thousands, millions of people? I mean, God, don't you want them to get saved? I mean, they're, they're at our fingertips. All you got to do is just use your sovereignty to get them to click on the channel. Like, it seems pretty simple. Like, I'm not, at, I'm, not a, I'm not a church in a small town be like, God, calls people to get on airplanes. Like, I'm just like, get them to click the link. Like, God, you created the world with your voice. I think, like, can't you get them to just click a button? Why are we going the long way? After five years, if I'll be honest, after five years, I thought we'd be, like, number one stream on Twitch every Saturday. Hundreds of thousands of people changing the world, helping people in need, all this kind of stuff. And we're doing that to God be the glory. But I'm like, God, it really seems like we're going the long way, that we're going around, that we're going through the Red Sea, and we've been lost in the wilderness for 40 years, and those things are great, but I've been asking God, why haven't we just gone the short way? And I've been really feeling in my heart that God's been speaking because we're not ready for revival. We're not ready for the reality of revival. We're not ready for the messiness of it. We're not ready for how complicated it gets. We're not ready to approach the Philistines and have the tension. We're not ready to be like, oh, yeah, this is kind of, this is kind of sketch. I don't know how I feel about all this messiness and people with bad habits and people who swear and all these people are different. I don't know if I, I don't know if I feel about this. Let's just go back to being in Egypt. Read again with me. Literally one chapter later, Exodus 14, 11 to 12. Then they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that, brought, that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Literally asking Moses, what have you done to us by saving us? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, just leave us alone. Let us just serve the Egyptians 
Let us just do what we've always done. Let us just be comfortable. Let us just do things the way it's always be done. We would have ra- we, it would be better for us to have served the Egyptians than to die and be lost in the wilderness. It would have been better if you just left things the way they were, man. Like, we, I mean, we, sure, you know, being a slave wasn't the greatest, but at least we got good at it. Like, at least we learned to manage it. Like, at least we managed to just kind of cope with the situation. Why'd you have to come in and make things messy? Why'd you have to come in and, and, and really do things? And here's the reality. We might not feel like we'd say it out loud, but when God brings revival, I, like real revival, I think some of us are going to wish, man, why didn't we just, why couldn't we just keep things the way they were? Like, some of us would rather be a part of a clean, easy church that isn't reaching people than a part of a messy church that is reaching people. Some of us would rather have just stayed in Egypt than to be wandering in the wilderness and allowing God to bring us through a messy process. You can't have the message without the mess. You can't, you can't impact people without people. <laughs> you can't impact people without people. And I don't know about you, but especially at one point in my life, God's changed me and shaped me, but at one point, I had a lot of issues. Like, I still have a lot of issues, but they're, like, just a little bit better now. You know what I mean? But back then, like, 10 years ago, if you had known me, you would not have wanted to have been my friend. I was arrogant, manipulative, self-centered. And the reality is, all of you in this church, some of you who are not ready for the mess, if you met me 10 years ago, you wouldn't have wanted me to be a part of this church. You'd be like, whoa, that Susie guy. I don't know about him, dude. He's a little rough around the edges. He's a little messy. I don't know. I don't know if he really fits in here. But I'm so glad that God took that same messy guy, radically changed my life, and that I am who I am today. Now, I'm not perfect. I still got some things I'm working out. But I'm just a little less messy than I was back then. But for some of us, some people are too messy. And we'd rather, we'd rather be a part of a church that's just safe and comfortable than to be a part of a church that's messy, that's reaching people. I don't know if you've been on the internet for more than five seconds, but you probably noticed it's kind of a messy place. It's probably an understatement. <laughs> it's kind of a messy place. And the earth is kind of a messy place, but Jesus Christ stepped off of his comfortable throne, came into the middle of our mess to save us from our sins. And now Jesus is calling us to do the same, but if we're going to be able to handle the mess, we're going to have to be built different. We're going to have to increase our tolerance for people's behavior. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we need to just all of a sudden start accepting sinful behavior. Sinful behavior will never be acceptable in the eyes of God and in the eyes of our church, but we do love people And we understand that when people first give their lives to follow Jesus, or even just come to our church for the first time, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna be like many of us. Like the reality is, I pray often that God would send a huge streamer to host God Squad Church on a Saturday. God, take us the short way. But I've been really feeling in my spirit, God's like, you're not ready for the short way. Man, if we had some of the big streamers, I won't drop any names, but we got some big streamers with some messy chats, if you know what I'm saying. And God's like, if they hosted you, oh, y'all wouldn't be ready for it. 
to me, I wouldn't be ready for it. You'd be like, whoa, get these people out of here, man. Don't they know they shouldn't say those things in the sermon while the pastor is preaching? Don't they know better? Don't they know how we do things around here? No, they don't. The reality is, when a baby poops, you don't get rid of the baby. It's that simple. Like when a baby poops, you don't get rid of the baby. You don't. And you understand babies poop because that's all they know. They haven't been around long enough to know, like you shouldn't just go around pooping your pants. Like you can't. You just can't go around pooping your pants. We might need a poop counter on the screen at this point. You know what I mean? Like you just, it, it's not okay. But the reality is there's nothing wrong with a baby who poops. But there is something wrong with a teenager in diapers. There's something wrong with a teenager in diapers. And you're all like, man, that is a weird image of my guy, right? There's something wrong with a teenager in diapers. But here's the deal. I believe that spiritually, sometimes in the church, we got teenagers with diapers. People that have been around the faith long enough to know that, yo, y'all shouldn't be pooping your pants anymore. I, I, know that, I know that you've been saying it's taken God 10 years to clean out my mouth. But I think the God that spoke the universe into existence with a few words can do it in a little bit less time than that. If we're willing to truly let him transform our lives. We got people that are still sleeping around because they just haven't come to the conclusion that God is calling us to live righteously. I'm not talking about you're brand new and don't know. I'm talking about you've been around long enough to know this stuff. You've been around long enough to know this stuff. I, I don't complain when babies poop, but I got a problem when teenagers are wearing diapers. And the worst part is, sometimes in church, we got teenagers wearing diapers complaining about babies who poop. It's not okay. It's not okay. For us, as those who should know better, to be upset with those who don't and who shouldn't. They haven't been around long enough. They haven't been around long enough to know better. They're going to be taught. They're going to be discipled. They're going to be trained. Jesus loved messy people. But he also came to clean up our lives. He came to transform us. He came to change us. And if revival is really going to hit, y'all better be ready for a big mess. We better be ready for it. But if it's going to come, we got to be built different. We got to be that church that one guy jumps in the chat because he's scrolling through Twitch and says, WTF is this? And then we're like, hey, man, this is church. So glad to have you. Let us know if you need anything. We're like, what? I just swore in a chat, and these people are like, glad you're here. These people, these people, are, these people are built different. I've interacted with Christians before, but not like that. Because my life is... Maybe different than theirs, but they're still, they're still welcoming me. I've been a part of this church since day one. And I love, I love you enough to tell you that literally hundreds and hundreds of times, we've had people who are not a Christian jump in the Discord, join our Twitch chat, and poop. Act a little bit different. Say a cuss word. And most of our church... Here they go. Brother! Yo, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk like that around here. Bro, you want, you want to stay in the Discord? You better, 
cure all that mouth. You better cure all that behavior. We don't think that way around here. We don't talk. If you want to fit in, then you got to fit in. And here's the deal. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. The Holy Spirit is the one that transforms our heart. God's calling us to love people first, deal with their behavior second. I'm not saying we don't deal with behavior. I'm not saying we let toxic people run rampant and destroy the church. No, no, the Bible is very clear that we also need to deal with that behavior. But the reality is people are not, not going to be like you. They're not going to talk like you. And if we're ever going to get to where God wants to bring us, we've got to be built different. We've got to be built different. And the reality is some of you are actually afraid of the answer to your own prayers. You're saying, God, bring us people. But you're not ready for what that actually looks like. You want things to be clean and easy and comfortable, but at the same time, you're praying for people to bring their mess. Look at what the Bible says, Proverbs 14, 4. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. What this means is, you want to have a clean farm? Don't put any animals in it. You want to have a clean stable that you don't have to clean up, that you don't have to work hard to provide hay for and create a place that is conducive to the oxen? Don't put an oxen in it. You want to have an easy, comfortable church? Don't invite people. Don't invite them. Might as well just like literally tell everyone, turn off their notifications. Stop telling your friends. Like, like we just want things to be easy. We just want things to be easy. God, why would you save us from the Egyptians? Only to bring us into the wilderness. I really believe that some of us, unless the Lord awakens your heart, you would rather be a part of a church that's easy, clean, and comfortable than one that's messy but is changing the world. And it's my prayer in Jesus' name that God would first rejuvenate us so that we are in a place where we can love people. Pastor Susie, where are we going? God is less concerned with where we're going and more concerned with who we're becoming. And if we're going to really experience virtual revival, we're going to have to be built different. We're going to have to be built different. We're going to have to create a place that makes it conducive for people to experience the life change that you and I have. I'm so glad that when I came to Jesus with my mess, people weren't trying to skirt me away because I didn't have it all figured out. We're going to make it easy for people to come to know Jesus. And I'm not saying we make it easy by shallowing down the message. I'm not saying we make it easy by saying sin is okay. No, I'm just saying we make it easy by loving people the way that they are. The way that they are. And this has been an ongoing struggle for churches since the very, very beginning. Literally, the, the organized church was founded in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And even back then, this is what Luke, the author, was telling to those people. Acts 15, 19. He says, it is my judgment. This is the gripe that I have with you. Therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. If you don't know the difference of terminology between the Gentiles and the Jews, the Jews were those that were born into the promised chosen people of God, and the Gentiles were basically just everyone else. Like, you were not born into God's chosen people, 
But then Jesus came and said, no, no, I've come to give my forgiveness now to all, both the Jews and the Gentiles. doesn't matter who you are, what you've, what you've done, where you're from. It doesn't matter your lineage. None of that matters. All that matters is those that have put their trust in Jesus. And even Luke is writing and saying, my gripe with you is that some of y'all are making it difficult. Some of y'all are making it difficult for those that don't know God who want to turn to God. And I, I've been around long enough. I've seen enough of our discord, seen enough of our chat at times to know some of us are making it difficult for those to turn to God. And Jesus is just saying, hey, I love you, but please just get out of the way. Please just let me, let me do my thing. You love them, serve them, teach them, and instruct them. But when someone comes in the chat that's never been here before, I don't expect them to know the Bible. I don't expect them to behave like a Christian, but I do expect Christians to behave like Christians, which means we love people. God wants us to be built different so that when revival comes, we're ready for it. And if we're not ready for it, he won't bring it. I want to be ready. I want to be ready for when Jesus does bring us that huge host of 50,000 people where the chat's going to be a little bit messy. Chat's going to be a little bit messy. And we can't be like, whoa, Purell. We don't, we don't talk that way. We don't think that way. Man, don't you get what it's like around here? No. They don't. We do. And that's why we're held to the standard of loving them and serving them. And I'll tell you, the best thing I've ever done in the six and a half years of my stream a month ago was talk with people on voice comms who swear. Best thing I've ever done. I'm not saying that I started swearing. I'm not saying that I'm all of a sudden playing games out of a ton of language. I'm just saying I'm talking to people who are a little messy. And, man, the conversations I've had literally today and last week, multiple people that I played Valorant with. You didn't even know I was a pastor, but you kept saying, man, you're so nice. Man, you just built different. Oh, wait, you're a, you're a pastor? I might come check out your church because your church seems different than the ones I've heard of before. Your church, man, your chat is so nice and positive and kind. You guys just seem to be built different. And all of us are concerned with where, where, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going. God's concerned with who are we becoming. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a people that love everybody, even if they come with a little bit of a mess. I'm ready to get my mop out. I'm ready to just get it out and get to work. We want a clean church, don't put any oxen in it. You, you want a church that's easy, let's just stop raging people. Might as well just like, let's just make this whole thing like a Zoom call. They're like, unless you have the password, you can't come. Like, like we might as well do that. Like, then we don't have to worry about like TOS. It's so much easier. Let's just, let's just stop putting hay and oxen in the farm, and let's just, let's just do our little club thing. The Bible says that Jesus desires that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But before people come to repentance, they're going to be pretty messy. And even after, it takes a process, a journey. And I've come to ask you, are you ready for it? 
Because that's my prayer. I really feel like God right now, like I'm not the kind of preacher that's like, the best year is yet to come. Like, I don't know, yet, next year might suck for you. Like, I can't make a promise I can't keep, right? I'm like, yeah, 2020, best year is yet to come. I'm really glad I didn't say that in January. You know what I'm saying? Like, 2020 is not the best year. Like, I don't know if it's going to be your best year. I believe if you trust Jesus, we always win. He'll give us faith. He'll give us strength. And we push through and we get the victory. But 2020 wasn't my best year. It wasn't my favorite year. I don't know about you. So I'm not the guy that comes up and is like, this year it's happening. This year the best year. Like, I'm not that guy because I'm not God and I don't know the future. But I really feel right now in my spirit, God's about to take us in a new direction of reaching people further than we've ever reached before. But I promise you, it's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. And I've come to ask you, are you ready for it? Not the idea of revival, the reality of it. Where people are praying for the first time and saying the F word in their prayers. Because they don't know that like, they shouldn't do that yet. And I'm not going to stop in the middle of my EXP group and be like, whoa, bro. We don't, yeah, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah, it's not, it's all we do around here. Right? I, I might have a conversation with them later and loving them like, hey, man, I know you had good intentions, but like as we're on a journey of growing together, that's why you're in an experience group, I want to let you know like one of the things that God wants to do in your life is cut out that language you've been using. And I know that it's going to take some time, but I just wanted you to be aware. Like let's, let's just all be growing together instead of, whoa, pure out. Stop the prayer. Leader, do some mama Higgs. Got to get these people out of here. People in experience groups, it's too messy. My group used to be clean, comfortable, and then you put a bunch of oxen in it. And now everything's different. We're never going to make a difference if we're not different. I don't want to be the Christians the internet thinks that we are. I want to be the Christians the internet needs. And they need Christians who are built different. They need Christians that love people so much that it makes you patient. It makes you kind. And it doesn't make you think that sin is okay, but it just makes you think, yeah, eventually you'll learn. And I might even teach you, but I'm going to go about it in a kind, loving way. I really believe we're, we're on the brink. God's about to do something, but I want to make sure we're ready for it. I want to make sure we're ready for those big hosts. I want to make sure we're ready that when we got a bunch of people inviting people to God Squad Church, and a bunch of people invite and put it on Discord, and it starts getting messy. I want to make sure we're ready for it. I want to make sure that we're in a place where we say, God, I'm ready for the mess. I'm ready for things to get complicated. I'm ready to love broken people. I'm ready to love people the way that other people loved me when I first started. I'm ready. I'm ready to be the church of Jesus Christ that loves people. I'm ready to get back to the roots of what the book of Acts teaches of what church is really supposed to be like. And as we end our time together, I want to read this passage. Acts 2, 42 to 47. This is literally the first evidence in the Bible of the organized church fully starting. And this is what they were like. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who need who was in need. Thank you to everyone that was a part of our fundraiser yesterday. We, we gave over $10,000 to a family in need to God be the glory. That's the church. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's a vision of our land center. Church is not a thing you just do for an hour on Saturday. Well, if we're being real, it's for like an hour and a half. But it's something you do every single day. And you love one another, connect with one another. It's not a, hey, I'll see you next week. No, it's a, hey, let's stay connected throughout the week. And how do gamers stay connected? They play video games together. They connect. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with sincere hearts. These are descriptions of what Jesus wants the church to be like. And if we will be that way, then we can accomplish verse 47. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And because they were that way, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. I'll tell you, I've been been around church a long time. Never in the history of mankind has it been easier for people to actually be getting saved daily than it is in an online gaming community. We got people gaming together every single night. Like in a normal church world, like with busy adults, right, average age of a hardcore gamer, 33 years old, most 33-year-olds, like they got children. Like I'm turning 30, 30 in like four months. By the time I'm 33, I'll probably have children. So like me on a weeknight, like, no, I, I'm not going to go to the church at 9 o'clock at night once my kids are finally asleep and, like, and, and go and hang out with you. Like, no, nah, bro, I'm exhausted. And first of all, I'm, I'm in my PJs by that point. And no, I'm not going to go to the church at 9 o'clock at night. Like, people don't do that. But in our world, you know what they do? They jump on Discord. They jump into the Twitch streams. They start playing games and inviting each other in their friends list. And they have the opportunity to be together. And we have literally daily opportunities to interact with thousands of people. Like never has it been more possible for Jesus to be adding the number daily those who are being saved. Daily those who are being saved. But if that's going to happen, we're going to have to be built different. We're going to have to love, be inviting, be kind, be respectful, and be different to what the internet thinks we're actually like. And I believe in Jesus' name. I believe that God is going to start getting us ready for the revival that he's bringing our way. I believe he's going to transform us. The change, we can't pray for change to happen in the world if we're not willing for us to pray that change first happens in us. I pray in Jesus' name that God would transform our hearts, that he would give us a love and a compassion and a patience and a kindness and a readiness to be prepared for the mess of the reality of revival. Because I, I believe it's coming, but are we ready for it? Are we, are we ready for it? And we've been in a season of prayer and fasting for 21 days, and I pray in Jesus' name that, that he has transformed your heart, and I pray that over these 21 days, he's gotten you a little more ready. And I pray over the weeks and months to come, he just keeps getting you more and more and more ready. And you might have to practice this a little bit. You might jump in Discord after church today, and someone listening to this right now, not a Christian, be like, oh, these people are accepting of me. I'm going to jump in Discord. And they might swear you might have to practice not saying something like you might have normally said. And the more you practice that, the better you'll get at it. 
The more you practice being kind, the better you'll get at it. And over time, you'll be built different. Over time, God will start using you to be something that makes it easy for people to come to know Jesus rather than the people in Acts who had said, man, you're making it difficult. Man, you just, you're really just making it difficult. And I believe in Jesus' name, God's going to transform us. But he's not going to start transforming them until he transforms us. God is less concerned with where we're going, more concerned with who are we becoming. And I pray that you and I are becoming people who are built different, full of kindness and love and compassion. And I want to pray today that we would ask Jesus not just to reach people. We're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus in a few minutes. But I want to pray first for us. That God would transform our hearts and help us to be built different so we can be ready for revival. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here today. And we ask you, God, we ask you, God, first to God just crack open our hearts and fill them with love and compassion for people who are different. God, help us to love people, serve people. And God, I pray that maybe we are some of the people who are quick to remind people that they're different. But God, I pray we wouldn't be so quick to remind people that, we're, that they're different. I pray we'd be quick to show them that we're different. I, I ask you today, Holy Spirit, that you would fill our hearts with compassion for those, God, that are different than we are, those that don't know Jesus. I pray that, like the book of Acts said, we wouldn't make it difficult for those that are trying to turn to God. I pray that, God, we would make it easy. Not that we're dumbing down the message, that, God, we would just simply say, God, I'm just going to get out of the way and be a source of encouragement. And I'm going to help disciple, but I'm not going to help discourage. And so I just ask you, Holy Spirit, today, first and foremost, change us. Change us. Give us love and kindness and compassion. And I pray that, God, you would transform us in a way that we, we, we are ready for revival. But not just the idea of it, the reality of it. And God, that comes with a lot of mess. But God, we just ask you today, help us to be ready to love people from all walks of life who might believe differently than we do at this moment. But God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we could, we could help them learn the things that we've learned and help them be transformed by the power of God. Help us, God, to be built different so that we can be ready for revival. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you're here and maybe you've been listening to this message and maybe you are someone that has never began a relationship with God. Maybe you have never given your life to follow Jesus and, and, and maybe you, maybe you're different. Maybe you've got some things you're working out. Can I tell you? That's actually one thing we've got in common. I don't know about you, but I'm not done working things out. I got some issues. I got a few less than I did before. I still, I still got a few left. <laughs> and maybe that's you. Can I tell you that God sent his son, Jesus Christ. He stepped out of his comfort and into our mess to live a perfect life, even though he was surrounded by messy people. And he died on the cross 
to forgive you and I the sins that we've committed. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus died and rose from the grave three days later so that all who would put their trust in him, who would say yes to follow Jesus, today you can say yes to follow Jesus and gain eternal life, receive hope, and a purpose for your life. You can say yes to follow Jesus before you stop cussing. You can say yes to follow Jesus before you break your addiction to pornography. You can say yes to follow Jesus before you get your act together. Actually, I don't even have the strength to get my act together. I need Jesus to get my act together. And Jesus doesn't love a future version of you that's better off. He doesn't love an improved version. No, he loves you today in all of your mess. He loved me in all of my mess. And I promise you, giving your life to follow Jesus is the greatest decision that anyone has ever made. This is why we do what we do. This is why we're willing to fast and pray. This is why we're willing to do all that we do so people like you can come to experience Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and that's you, and you want to make a decision today to put your trust and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with, you, with me. As you and your heart make a decision to say, God, I don't have it all together, but today I want to begin a journey of following Jesus. And if that's you, would you pray this with me? God, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. And I ask you today, God, to forgive me of all my sins and to help me to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, can you put some hype in the chat and celebrate those that are giving their lives to follow Jesus? Come on, praise God. Praise God. Hey, congratulations to those of you that have just accepted Jesus Christ into your life. And hey, if you did do that, I want you to be brave and bold and do something right now. Some of you just heard the message of Jesus for the first time in your life. I want you to do something brave and bold. If you just accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, or maybe you rededicated your life, I want you to put a yes in the chat right now. I want to see you put a yes so that we can celebrate with you, so we can be able to continue to enjoy that decision that you are making right now to those of you that are putting yes right now. And congratulations to those of you. And hey, if you did just accept Jesus Christ, if you could do me a favor and type exclamation point next level in the chat, you'll see a link pop up. And I just ask you to click on that link. It will send you to a form that we ask you to fill out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving. That's going to be able to be able to give us a way to be able to give you some resources. A lot of people, they don't know exactly what to do right after they give their hearts to Jesus. They, they know they made a big decision. They know that it's something that is going to change their lives, but they don't know where to start reading the Bible. Maybe you don't know how to pray. We would love to be able to walk alongside you, be able to help you along as you start this new journey. It's not the end of something, but it's, it is the beginning of something brand new in your life. So we're super excited for those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ. And hey, this is the reason why we do what we do here at God Squad Church. It's because of your generosity and faithfulness that we continue having the ability to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people all around the world. We're able to do this on a weekly basis. We're able to do SquadCon and other events as well. It's because of your faithfulness and generosity. And so I wanted to thank each and every one of you for that. And maybe you've never given to God Squad Church before. I want to let you know that there are multiple safe and secure ways that you can give. You can go into the panels below and click on the Give link. It'll allow you to use PayPal. You can go to our website site and customize it to any way that you see fit that works for you. And then finally, you can also use text to give by texting any amount to number 84. 
three, two, one. But once again, thank you for all of your giving and thank you for your faithfulness and generosity and every penny counts.